0: Log Talk Radio.
1: From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. What's wrong with you? My first thought would be alive.
0: On Click and Read Show. Whatever he is, he destroys you.
2: Can you dig it?
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, k and Production proudly brings to you the best wrestling talk show in the world... The K Dog, Ken Reedy, Diamond Dave Rose,
2: you have tuned into the Ken Reedy Show. And if you ain't down with that, we only got two words for you. <sighs>
1: And
3: emotional James Storm coming out of his big loss at lockdown on TNA last week. You've tuned in to The Ken Reedy Show. That is The Ken Reedy Show. I'm your host, Ken Reedy. Uh, thank you for tuning in here on Blog Talk Radio. Check us out also on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. we got older shows on thekenreedyshow.com. And if you're not on any of those, follow me on Twitter, The Ken Reedy Show, or at the Ken Reedy Show on Twitter. As always, my tag team partner, Dave, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. How about you, Ken?
3: Doing all right. A little excited, a little excited to talk about uh, lockdown. Uh, an interesting week in TNA wrestling, Impact Wrestling. So let's get right into it. We're going to lead with, with TNA. I know we don't do that often, but I think uh, they've had an interesting week this week. And I'd like to touch, first off, on the pay-per-view. Um, I liked... I should say I enjoyed the pay per view. I didn't think it was a bad pay per view. I know that they're getting a lot of criticism, um, but I do think it was um a good pay per view, uh solid matches. Um but logistically this is the problem. Like first off, with uh blood and cage matches, um I get it that you're saving the blood for the end of the night. However, uh, when you have cage matches leading up to, uh, you know, the entire event, and the last two matches uh, don't have the last two matches have blood, but you didn't have blood in any of the other matches. It, it's kind of weird. Guys were having their heads slammed into the cage repeatedly over the course of the evening, and they didn't bleed. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the guys at the end, Hardy, Storms, and Ru- Storm and Rude, all get their heads hit, and they, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're bleeding. Um, so it kind of pulls away from the authenticity of of what the cage will do. Uh, I thought Lethal Lockdown was violent. Um, but again, in a match like that, they opened the card with Lethal Lockdown. Uh, you know, I know it sound, we sound so bloodthirsty when we talk of this, but I would have liked to have seen a little blood in the Lethal Lockdown match. Um, so no blood until the end. Uh, again, I thought the match was solid, but man... Wow, Nashville, you got and I've been in Nashville. The people I went to that period, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. If you're in Nashville, if you're at that show, man, that is one of the deadest crowds I have ever seen in my life. I was shocked, and I know, I mean, I'm I've in a couple bands, I've performed, and sometimes you got to feed off the crowd energy, and man, that crowd was dead, and I can't fault the performers. I thought the matches were... Solid, not all of them great, but decent matches. Uh, It just seemed like the crowd just couldn't get up for it. And after all the criticism, we, myself, and Dave, we've given it. uh, Impact Wrestling, get out of the Impact Zone, get out of the Impact Zone. The last two impacts, the crowd's been hot, and the pay-per-view outside the Impact Zone, the crowd was dead. Dave, what is this company to do with themselves?
2: Uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea. Um, they must have been shocked uh, backstage, you know, watching the, the audience do nothing. And, um, you know, prime example, Samoa Joe and Magnus versus the Motor City Machine Guns was an excellent tag team match. I thought it should have gotten more time. And the crowd didn't really react to anything um, that, that that they were doing, Uh just up until probably the, the, the two marquee matches with uh, Angle and Hardy and Storm and Rude, where the crowd was seemed to get into it a little bit. This being, you know, Storm's uh, home state of Nashville, uh, I was really surprised watching it. I didn't. Uh, I thought for sure uh, the Impact Zone, the pay-per-view, hot, you know, you know, TNA on the road, uh, you know, crowd doesn't, you know. They're, they're pretty, you know, I thought it was gonna be a pretty hot crowd Excuse me, I'm stumbling over my word. Uh but yeah, I still know I don't know what they're you know what what they're gonna where they're gonna go from here as far as uh touring goes after uh after what we saw Sunday night.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean what what can they do? I mean I, you know and we talked about it last week and uh you know, we, we thought like on oh, Nashville this is gonna be really good for them, uh, a big pay per view for them outside, you know, they had their fan fest and and uh you know, their equivalent to uh access and uh we were kind of optimistic about uh where that pay per view could go and, and um you know, getting it out of the impact zone and yeah, you know, it just it, the crowd was really dead and, and it's a shame because sometimes, you know, and if you disagree, like give us a call at 347-838-9815, share your thoughts. And I know the old adage is well, they didn't give it give anyone anything to share about. Um, I thought they did. I, I thought there were enough, uh, again, decent matches. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Hardy was amazing. That was a great match, uh, match of the night. And Enrude and Storm was a very, very good match. I don't know if I'd say great, but it was definitely a very good match. Um, but I thought Lethal Lockdown was entertaining. Um, I thought most of the matches were entertaining. I mean, You know, Matt Morgan and Crimson, they are what they are. You know what I mean? I mean, for those two guys, they gave you what they're going to give you. If anyone expected you were going to see a five-star match out of those two guys, um, you know, you're being a little ignorant. But I thought for the two of them, they gave a a solid match. Um, I didn't expect much more out of the two of them. Uh, But it just seemed like whatever happened, the crowd just would not not for anything. And it was weird because in the middle of the pay-per-view, uh, it was kind of an awkward thing where, where uh, you know, Flair came out and cut a promo and Hogan came out and, and wound up punching Flair out. And, you know, I almost, as I'm watching it, I almost got the impression that there someone in the back was, you know, we have to get this crowd going. We have to do something to get this crowd going. And, you know, Flair came out and was just insulting people uh, in the front row. And, you know, then Hogan came out and, you know, I I don't think it really worked. Um, It was kind of a failed attempt, but I almost got the impression that that wasn't supposed to be part of the show, that they actually were like, we have to do something to get the crowd into it. And, uh, you know, they just sent Hogan and Flair out to uh, uh, do something. But it it was awkward. It was weird. Like, I felt bad for the performers watching the pay-per-view at home that I was just waiting for the crowd to, to get up for something. You know, I mean... Times where like you know you know you're watching a pay-per-view and and you see the whole crowd stand up like they just never did it was it was just weird so I don't know what was going on uh, I don't know uh, you know if they gave away free tickets or something and because they, they weren't selling you know I, I don't know I don't know what was going on there but that crowd was uh, not into the paper but again not a great pay-per-view but I thought it was. A good pay-per-view, but moving on out of the pay-per-view into impact on Thursday night, again, I, and I'm impressed with TNA as of late, solid impacts. Generally, the past few weeks, we're getting a solid two-hour show. Maybe not you know, Monday Night Raw with, with Lesnar and, and Cena and past Raws with, with The Rock. I mean, Raw has become appointment TV. And I get that. That's that's the one show that's up in TV. Uh impact not quite there, but they've given us a solid 2-hour show the past couple of weeks. What do you think?
2: I do agree. Um, coming out of the pay-per-view on uh on Sunday, I thought that uh TNA needed to definitely uh bounce back and they did with um with uh you know, with a few with, with quite a few things. Uh, Bobby Roode... um you know, uh, who came out victorious in the, from the pay-per-view, and a lot of people have shit on that finish, of that match. Um, I thought the I thought the finish was very creative, and it was something that I had brought up on last week's show that they'd have to do something very really creative and something that's gonna make sense to. Uh, to, to to keep the title on Bobby Roode, and that's what it did. I mean, it, it brought more heat to him, and uh, I liked how he you know he, he, he cut his hair, changed his look a little bit, um, trying to you know re- reinvent, recreate himself in you know a small fashion. And the uh, the big announcement from uh, Hogan about the uh, the, the concepts, the open fight night, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so solid show all around. It was definitely more enjoyable to watch than I would say. Um, I would say lockdown, and I'm very optimistic and hopeful that um, you know the, the, these uh, concepts that uh, you know have been brought to uh, the the television product are going to uh, translate well to the audience, and that you know hopefully um, you know Impact is you know uh, uh, appointment television on Thursday nights because uh, competition is always the best, and uh, as we know through through the uh, the years of the Monday Night Wars.
3: Agreed, agreed. Yes, I mean. It's funny because I'm not, you know, I mean, I like TNA. I'm not a guy that's like, you know, TNA over the WWE or, or vice versa. I mean, I, I like wrestling. Um, but, yeah, I root for TNA because, you know, TNA gets better. Everything's going to get better. You know, TNA starts at least making McMahon maybe a bead of sweat on his brow. Um, WWE is going to get better. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to i I love, I mean, what... And I don't know whose idea. I mean, I'll refer to it as Hogan, what Hogan did. Who knows who's in charge creatively and whose idea this all was. But Hogan was the guy who came out to uh, announce it uh, as the GM of Impact Wrestling. Uh, What TNA has successfully done right now, which is I love what they did, all the titles, all the belts, aside from maybe, I guess, the knockout tag team belts, which has kind of become a
1: joke. joke. But
3: aside from that, all the belts are over. He put all the belts over. The one belt that may have been lacking was the TV title, and it's the TV title. I mean, yes, that should be defended. So they're going to be defending that each and every week on Impact, which I love. I think that's great. I think it's great for Devon. Uh it gives him uh a real legit platform to establish himself as a singles competitor. Um and it, it puts that belt over. Each and every belt in that company right now, like I said, aside from the uh the knockout tag belts, um every title is over. Every title means something. Uh, which is very, very good uh for wrestling and, and for the company for each belt. Uh, to mean something and with these open fight nights and open challenges and what have you um you know a lot of interesting things can happen uh hopefully the the storylines will be uh effective um but I think when you're having when you're making the the titles mean something uh, a lot of times the storylines will just fall into place uh hopefully that's the case for them but i I was very happy with Hogan's announcement. I mean, you, you've had over the years, you know, a lot of times with TNA, a big announcement or big to do, and it just doesn't deliver. Uh, on Thursday night, I, I love what Hogan had to say. Um, I, I love the concepts of everything. And I'm looking forward to seeing a real title picture, uh, especially with, with a belt like um, television title.
2: Yeah, um, the uh, you know Hogan's announcement was um, I wouldn't call it groundbreaking, but um, what a lot of people on the internet and, if, and uh, you know on the, the dirt sheets have had to say about TNA is that you know they're 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 WCW light, like in reference to light beer, and you know that they're trying to you know recreate what the WWE has done in the past, and this I think this concept and this idea is going to set them apart from other wrestling organizations such as the wwe and such as ring of honor and they need to focus on what they're good at and not what somebody else is good at because if you try and be something that you're not you're going to fall on your face and i think this is a good idea and i'm 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 looking forward to seeing that i'm looking forward to seeing what they what what they um what they do with it in reference to your, your 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 uh your your uh, conversation about the title belts, um, you know, I'm glad that the television belt's going to be defended, but I think they have way too many titles. The knockout tag team titles need to go. They're a joke. They were a joke from the beginning. I never believed in the concept to begin with. You had a good thing with the women with with the singles title in the women's division. Don't go the you know a, another route with the women and the tag team titles because you got to get more girls. They've dropped some of the girls from the roster. They don't use any of them much at all. Uh, with, So, I mean, why would you add a championship that is barely going to be defended or even used? It's just a piece of jewelry on these chicks. Um, The television title, um, I've always been a big TV championship fan going back to the days of WCW, and um, I think that they should bring up the lineage of past television championships, not necessarily bring up company names, but, you know, bring up, you know, Guys who have held television championships and the importance of it, so that they could maybe bring some prestige to this television title that they currently have on their roster. So I'm all for it. You know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a big supporter of it, and uh, I look forward to seeing what, what happens and what comes out of this.
3: And who knows? I mean, maybe they they do. You know, maybe they they do look into uh, bringing uh, some of the history of of uh, the television title or a you know past television titles. Um, you know, I think that would be cool. Uh I like it. And and I what's funny, when you look back on like ECW and and you know, Paul Heyman and when he talked about, you know, doing ECW um and competing with the WCW and WWE. Uh, you know, a lot of what he talked about was, you know, we can't compete uh, you know, on this level with them. We can't do the same thing they're doing, but we can do something different. That fans would want to see. We don't have enough money to have the pyrotechnics or the, uh, you know, the stage or the arenas or or what have you as the the two big companies. But we can be the most violent company. We could be the the craziest company. We can we can find things we can do uh, that the other company can't. And I, not that the WWE can't, but I think what's what's good about this is, like we said, you know, all the titles in the WWE aren't over. Most of the other titles don't mean anything. So rather than trying to compete and and do the same thing the WWE is doing, you're you're never going to win that. You know, you're just you're a smaller version of the WWE. You know, a lot of wrestling fans wish that the US title and the IC title meant something again. You'd like to see them really mean something. So TNA do, they take their their television title, they make it mean something. I think it's a very smart move on their part, uh, making the titles mean something, making all the titles relevant. Um, you know, it's funny because there, there was a time recently, uh, in fact, when Robbie E. had the television title, where I was, at one point, I was watching an impact. I'm like, wow, I feel like I haven't seen Robbie E. on television at all <laughs> lately. So he had the TV title, but he wasn't on. Um, you know, again, at some point, I, I, would, I would love to have been in on those meetings, they there, there's like, all right, let's. We should we should change it up a bit. What should we do? And then someone raised their hands like, um, what if we put the TV title on TV?
2: <laughs> Brilliant! Brilliant! Let's do it. We're gonna do it, brother. Yeah, you
3: know, so I, I think it's it's a it's a great idea. Uh, I'm I'm really psyched. Um, I I think in fact is. Is in a really good place right now. I, I think Bobby Roode is, is great. Uh great heel champ. Uh, you know, it was a good match. And um I think now they'll probably go away with away from him and, and storm. Um I'm not excited. Now I get it, and I get he's popular and you know, they pop the crowd popped hard when he won. I'm not a big R V D guy. Um never been impressed with him on the mic. Uh, talented in the ring, but to me, more or less A spot monkey uh, You know, the thumbs At himself, uh, okay, yes You have you have three initials That you can stop a thousand times In a match and point to yourself And have the whole crowd chant RVD That's awesome, that's great um, Doesn't really do much for me uh, But I get it, you know, a lot of people do like him He does have a lot of fans out there um, Can't say that I'm excited About uh, him being the number one contender, but you know it's it's a you know it should make for for a decent match. Um, I, I'm hoping I'd love to see uh, Bobby Roode get through this. I just want to see him mow down all contenders, and then maybe you know down the road a piece, maybe even like Bound for Glory. game uh, Storm continues to to battle his way back and battle and battle and battle, and then finally find himself in the number one contender spot again. Uh, but I'd like to see Bobby Roode hold on to that for. A good chunk of time now. Um, I, I like what he's doing with the belt. I think he's a great figurehead for that company right now. Um, he's he's really good at what he does. Um, you know, in all the matches on on you know the triple threat, solid. Uh, one of the other things that you got to credit Impact for, and I don't know, uh, you know, they they've rebuilt Jeff Hardy, and man, I've said it a few times. I'll say it again. Physically, I maybe the best Jeff Hardy is has, has ever looked. I mean his his work rate is amazing. He just he he really looks like he just knows what he's doing in that ring right now more so than I've ever seen him. I mean, he just looks phenomenal right now. Very impressed with the uh road to recovery Jeff Hardy has had. Um but he just looks tremendous in the ring. Uh, by contrast, uh we got Mr. Anderson, who is not wrestling with a shirt on because uh, the months away from Impact, it was pretty obvious that he was not hitting the gym. Um, and might be time to, uh, you know, diet a little bit, maybe do a couple sit ups because Mr. Anderson uh, not looking felt uh, as of now. <laughs> Any thoughts?
2: Yeah I you know what I've always been a fan of Anderson when he was Kennedy in in the WWE I thought that character was great he had a lot of support in the company and the stuff he was doing on the mic and you know that he was hitting all cylinders and he, he looked in phenomenal shape he wasn't the greatest in ring worker but what he did worked um and uh I not, I'm not impressed with his TNA run. I was not a big component of it when he first came in. He did, he had that, he had that that series of matches with Angle, with Kurt Angle, which I thought was good. I thought they were really good matches. But for the most part, other than that, everything else, I just it's forgettable. And I've said it before to you um, off the air about how Anderson's tried to be something that he's not. You know, he's a big mark for Steve Austin. As a matter of fact, he it's a true story. It's, it's been publicized. He named his dog after Steve Austin. And he calls it Austin is the name of the dog. And he's good friend. He's good buddies with Steve Austin. And I've heard that, you know, that he talks back and forth with him, you know, frequently about wrestling and what's going on and what he's doing in the ring and stuff. And um, if Austin either is not – if he's a liar, if he's not returning his calls – um, it doesn't really translate well to television if you're uh, speaking with one of the biggest box office attractions in wrestling on a frequent basis. If you're not hitting the gym and you know you you wear a, a trucker baseball cap trying to be like him, walking down the aisle with the BMF walk, I'm not a fan of it. I really am not. I'm not a fan of Anderson's running TNA. You know, I don't know what the the, the real stories are behind his departure from the WWE for you know conflict with. Top guys in the company And he's reckless in the ring And it doesn't come off that way now But I'm just not a fan of I mean, I liked him in WWE I was a huge supporter of him, huge And coming to TNA It's just, it's kind of like, you know It's, it's it, you know I, It seems like either They're not sure what to do with him Or he's just kind of going through the motions Until he gets that call back from Vince McMahon Because it just doesn't It's I'm not impressed and I love the guy, but I'm not impressed.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, he... And I liked him a lot, too. And I and I thought this guy, like, really... Um, going places. Um, you know, obviously he got bit hard with the injury bug. Uh, I thought he was really going to go far in the WWE. Um you know, even there was a, a moment where uh, there was a... He was backstage with Flair and, and Triple H. And... uh he walked away, and Triple H looked at Ric Flair and said, oh, uh, bleach blonde hair and a catchphrase, that'll never catch on. And they just kind of <laughs> chuckled to each other. And I remember thinking, like, him saying something like that, like, you know, and referencing, you know, Ric Flair when he was talking about Kennedy was, you know, well, this, this guy's going to go somewhere in this company. And, you know, that run went away in a hurry. And, uh, yeah, it's not a good run in TNA. Um, you know, and and some of his stuff has gotten old quick. Uh, it's gotten redundant. Uh, they and I don't know how much of it is him and how much of it is TNA creative. You know, he's a face, he's a heel, he's a face, he's a heel. I mean, there, there was a a time where I, I I missed a couple impacts and I couldn't keep track of, of what side of the fence uh, you know Mr. Anderson was on. So um, you know, the character has not been really consistent over the, over the years. So I I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with him. Um. You know he adds something being back uh how he looks terrible he, he really does look uh, you know it, it's funny because you, you know it wrestling is a fickle business and and it's a tough business um you know and, and the the guys we've met over the years i mean you you just hear the stories and you know that uh um you know it's not an easy life uh but one of the things that you, you kinda wanna see out of someone is, is that drive, you know, to be successful that you know, even if shit's not going your way, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna be hitting the gym, I'm gonna be practicing my in ring work, I'm gonna be just so when I get that call, I I'm gonna knock it out of the ballpark. Like that's what you wanna see out of someone. And and you know when when you know, when someone Leaves for a while and then they come back like y'all you're almost hoping they come back just shredded. They come back totally ripped because then you look at the guy and he wants it. He really wants his spot. He's back to fight for his spot. And when a guy comes back looking soft, it's like you almost think, well he doesn't care. Get just someone else who's hungry. You know, let's let's get someone who really wants that spot. Uh, so I again I'm kinda disappointed looking at, you know, physically what he looks like right now. He's kinda disappointed uh in him but you know again he, he does add uh i don't say a tremendous amount but he does add a little bit of star power to the TNA roster and um you know he is good on the promos and he he doesn't look horrible in the ring uh he just looks uh, a little slower and, uh, and a little softer um so you know i hope he he uh i hope he's listening and I, he, I hope he takes our advice and hits the gym um, but yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see more out of him. Um, and who knows? I mean, we both, uh, last week, uh, uh, talking about guys on the other end of the spectrum, guys who are in tremendous shape, uh, you know, we're kind of predicting that, uh, Kurt Angle would probably be taking a break. And, uh, lo and behold, he, there he is on impact, uh, wrestling a match against AJ Styles. So go figure. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe Kurt Angle's not going to be
2: taking any time off. Well, he's a mach- that guy's a machine. He doesn't know what the word "time off" means. So, um, yeah, I mean, Kurt Angle around like that's great. You know, he's obviously you know one of their biggest stars, if if not you know their biggest current active star. Um, but uh, it's almost scary to watch him in the ring because. You feel like, you know, if he gets slammed the wrong way, he's going to break. Like, my personal opinion, I've said this before, and I've heard stories from, from other wrestlers I've spoken with, but, you know, you know, as far as, like, Kurt Angle, you know, Kurt Angle's a nut. He's crazy. You know, he's 40-something years old. He tried to, <clears throat> excuse me, he tried to, uh, you know, make the, the United States Olympic team for London, and unfortunately an injury had forced him to, uh, you know, to uh, back out of that. Just, in fact, this past week I think it was reported. Um, yeah but I personally think here's my opinion and you get a lot of those in sports like with coaches like we just saw this past week that Pat Summit who was a huge you know uh, figure in women's basketball the 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 largest uh, the most wins in all college basketball men and women had to step down due to uh you know um uh, the early stages of uh, dementia Um, but my, you know, you see all these sports figures that, you know, this is all they know how to do. Bill Parcells was divorced, I believe, twice because he would retire and then go back to coaching, you know, instead of living a normal life outside of that. I personally think Kurt Angle's going to (laughs) die, get in the ring or or close to it. Something really bad is going to happen to him. And it's scary because you know what? He's a phenomenal performer, you know, great athlete, um, He'd be, be bring some, you know, legitimacy to the, the profession if there if there isn't any in, in some of our critics' minds. Uh I did I it's scary to watch him sometimes, especially, you know, Sunday with Hardy, you know, There's, Jeff Hardy's pretty crazy too. And you got a steel cage and you want to pop the crowd. I mean he'll do he'll he'll jump off a building on fire if it's gonna, you know, increase more pay per view buy rates. He's nuts. And I I just fear that, like, something bad doesn't happen to him in the ring on, like, a live pay-per-view or a TV show. It's just, ugh, I I don't want to think about it.
0: No, no,
3: but you're you're 100% right. I mean, I I do think that the same thing that, you know, some of the stuff. And the the interesting thing about him is that he's he's so skilled and he's so physically gifted that he doesn't have to do, like, crazy spots to, to get over. I mean, he can... He can have phenomenal uh, you know, athletic uh mat, you know, on the mat kind of match that would be incredibly entertaining. But he just you know, he just it seems like he's just you're right, he's crazy. And he has a sick uh need to continue to outdo himself. Um you know, he is an all time great and he is one of those guys that, you know, I every time he's in the ring, like he's gonna have a good match and he you know, he's great in and of himself. Himself. He can't look good. I mean he's just tremendously physically gifted. Um You're right. I, I sometimes when he's in the ring I get a little scared, like, you know, how long can this guy continue to wow us physically? I mean, you know, in his forties, uh it's just it's amazing. And you can tell even now, you know, uh his body is, is beginning to betray him. You know, it was a hamstring injury, it, it's uh he's having knee issues, um, you know, he's breaking down. And you're right, how long can you do these these crazy things before uh you know something really serious happens? So uh, you know, knock on wood, it hasn't happened and, and I hope it doesn't, but he is uh he is a little terrifying when he's in the ring. Let's go to the phones. Uh let's try that again. Hello. Hey Tony. What's up guys? How are hey, you? Tom.
4: Um, I'm doing all right. Uh yeah, you you were talking about uh Kurt Angle. Yeah, the guy's uh definitely a little you know, he's he's a little he's a little screwy, uh but um <laughs> you know, but like you say, you know, it's like he's uh he doesn't really know, you know like when to uh take time off or whatever and I think that's part of why um WWE released him, because they were telling him, you know, it's like hey, you know, you need to take some time off and he was like he and Vince got into uh you know, into a beef about that and so they just cut ties with him. Um but uh, as far as his in-ring talent goes, I mean, yeah, the guy is definitely awesome. I mean, he actually um, a couple of years ago, a lockdown. I remember. I remember this match. It was him and uh, the other guy I mentioned, Ken Anderson. Um, that was actually Ken Anderson's best TNA match. It was a good match. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody yeah. agrees with me. <laughs> it was. It
3: was a very good match.
4: That was. That was. So yeah, and uh, you know. Even lockdown, I I didn't watch, and I I heard it was kind of you know, I, I heard it was like not the greatest show, but um, yeah, you know I heard that the, the, like the Nashville crowd was like really like you know not really reacting to anything, which I thought you know I, I felt like you know it's like having you know like James Storm coming in you know in the hometown of Nashville where where TNA pretty much started I thought I thought the I thought the place would have been you know I kinda, you know would have been would they would have had a hot crowd but it was just like from what I no, heard, it was
3: awful. It was an awful crowd.
4: Yeah, which is kind of surprising. I don't know. Maybe they, you know, I don't know. Maybe they. You know, I don't know. Maybe they knew that you know it's like TNA. TNA sometimes you know like they you know, like they tend to have something good and, and WWE does too a lot of times. They always tend to have something good going, and then they find a way to just you know to just shit it. So, as you say shit the <laughs> You know, so it was like I, I don't know. I mean, I like you know I like Ruth being the champion and everything. You know, I think he's, you know I think he's a great champion. I think he's like the best heel in TNA right now. But I don't know. I, I still think they, like, they should have put the they should have uh, put the belt on James Storm in his hometown, and maybe I don't know, maybe the uh, maybe the fans didn't react because they knew that they weren't going to get what they wanted. I don't know because you know, cause the same thing happened to Rudy Bound for Glory when he fought Kurt Angle. He was supposed to win the title and he didn't. So they like, I don't know. They thought maybe it's like you know all this hype. And it's like okay, we're probably going to get swerved. Well, yeah, I I think
2: James is supposed to be out, you know, taking some time off because he's because he's injured. And and to to bring up you know, to to I'm gonna disagree with you tone on this one as far as That's keeping the belt on the on the, on the rude, I, I, I don't mind it at all. I mean the personally in my opinion, Ric Flair, who's you know, arguably one of the greatest of all time, he's in the top three, made a living off of finishes like that. Where people thought that this was it, he's gonna lose it and he somehow just barely escaped. So I think that in the long run, this, this that finish from Sunday night is going to work out well for them in, uh, in, in future storylines, especially with Bobby Root.
4: Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, um, I don't know how be, like what kind of a match he and uh, Van Dam are going to have. I mean, I don't know because it, it'll depend on what the, what kind of RVD we get. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. You know, like even as far as the lockdown finish, they, I heard, you know, like they said, you know, it's like they said the, the finish was good. You know, like the way Rude just like you know went through the cage door and managed to just you know get the win that way. But they kind of, said, you know, it's like because it was in Nashville, it was probably like you know, if they'd done it in the Impact Zone, maybe it would have been better. I don't know. But
3: um, but it's funny. But, I don't even know though if if James Storm won, if the crowd would have went nuts. Man, I was yeah, even surprised. Yeah, yeah, I, I expected it. a huge pop when James Storm's music started, and it really yeah.
4: I, heard you know, it I mean, something. people
3: cheered, but it wasn't. I, I don't know. It, it was weird. It was just kind of it did, like we're, it, we're it sitting the there watching, and we're like, why aren't they reacting to anything? I mean, you know, Bischoff Eric is beating the shit out of his kid with a kendo stick. And you're kinda of just you're hearing the kendo stick echo. And there's no, no
4: like yeah. you know, well, oh, yeah.
3: boo or anything. It's just
4: It's wow. Well, like, well that was the you know, Eric uh, Eric uh, and this you know, that was Eric and Garrett. I mean, you know, it's like I don't think anyone really cared about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, but everyone hates I got I mean, I gotta tell you, everyone hates Bischoff. I mean everyone hates Eric Bischoff. I mean no boos or no even like I mean he really him, I mean he he had a, you know, nice uh, marks on his back getting hit so many times with a kendo stick. I mean, generally, when you see someone hit with a kendo stick, you at least have a crowd like, oh, kind of reaction. Like, it, it was weird. It was just, I, I don't know, yeah, it was I, like really yeah, odd. I was like waiting show, but for I, someone to react, and no one was reacting.
4: So the, so the, whole, the, the whole three hours, it was just like, the, you, could, you could have heard a pin drop in that place.
3: Kind of they a could lot have of wrestled
4: it. In an empty fucking building. Okay,
2: they could have wrestled in an empty building. You know, seriously, that's how ridiculous this crowd was. You know, I can't even get over the, the matches were good. If if anything, I should ask the cable TNA to give me half of my money back because the crowd fucking sucked.
4: Well, yeah, I know it. It does make it. Yeah, you know, it was like when when you got a dead crowd, it does make the show seem. To, you know, it does make it does detract from the show a lot. But, um, you know, I, I did watch Impact. Uh, I thought, you know, I wrote in my blog, I thought the, the matches were were really good. You know, RVD, I mean, I've, I've been a big RVD fan, you know, like when back in his ECW days, you know, when um, he and Jerry Lynn had a lot of, uh, they had classic matches. It was for the uh, TV, t- TV title because I know you were talking about um, they're putting more, they're going to try to put more emphasis on that. And, um, you know, the open fight night, actually, you know, like it, it sounds it sounds good, but you know, I mean, we'll see what happens with the, uh, you know, we'll see how they how they uh, how they execute it. You know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if they'll do a good job of it or what they're doing or what they'll do. But hopefully they'll get, hopefully, you know, hopefully this will, uh, you know, this will this will be something good for TNA because you know that they, they have you know, they've been good for a while. You know, and then, like, then it's like you bring Hulk Hogan and then uh, the Bischoffs back, and then all of a sudden the ratings tank. So you know, and then it's now it's back to you know, hopefully um, they'll get some momentum going. Yeah,
3: we can We can only hope. Tony, thanks for the call. I'm going to let you go. Thanks a lot, everyone. Make sure you go to thekenryshow.com. Check out Tony's blogs. He recaps Raw, SmackDown, and Impact each and every week for us. Uh, have a call today, Tony.
4: Uh, thanks a lot. Oh, by the way, I'll be going to a, raw, a live Raw, actually, on June 11th in Hartford. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. You're going to be joining me.
3: Dave's going to be there, too.
4: Oh, really?
2: Awesome. Yeah, you
3: guys, you got, you're got. going to have to call in because... Uh, we got an announcement coming up. I'm not gonna let it go just yet, but uh, there's gonna be a, a special Ken Reedy show surrounding that that Raw. Um, but oh, yeah, really? you guys should definitely try and meet up.
4: Oh, that'd be great.
3: Very cool. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Tom. All right, thanks. Yeah, and it's it's funny because he brings up a good point. I mean, it's it's interesting with the the Hogan Bischoff thing, and then you know the. Maybe not as much as J. Johnson, but you know Hogan Bischoff can be very polarizing uh, to a lot of wrestling fans. And it is funny that you know anything that's wrong with with TNA, it becomes like, well, you bring in Hogan and blah, blah, blah. well, Hogan and Bischoff they're ruining TNA. Blah, blah, blah. But you know, but then they have something that for the most part, you know, I'm hearing on the internet, people are happy about the TNA announcement on Thursday, but then Hogan Bischoff don't get any credit. So it's like I love to place blame that in that direction. Like if something bad happens, Hogan and Bischoff's fault. But if they do something good, we don't give them credit. It's kind of a weird dynamic in in the wonderful world of of pro wrestling. Uh, you know, you can get all the blame and none of the credit. Um, you know, as we go forward, we talk about how much we like uh, the Robert Roode character and where they've gone with that, and we like the announcements that came out on Thursday night, uh, and they've had some solid programming. Uh, you know Hogan Bischoff regime get any credit for for that, um, but you know they'll probably get blamed for the crowd in Nashville. So <laughs> go figure. Um, one of the things that's interesting, bringing up RVD, uh, and you know you brought it up before with Rude. Uh, one of the things in wrestling, man, like evolve, evolve over the years. Man, that guy, you know RVD still has the. The cheesy long hair do and the the really bad airbrushed tights. I mean, for God's sake, man! It's time to can we update a little bit? Can we can we tweak the character? And you know, I love Rude with with the the ha- short haircut now and the suit and everything. It's just working really well for his character. You know, I mean, you want to stay around for? And I don't. That's why I mean. I think most guys evolve. Most guys who have long-standing careers in wrestling evolve. Uh, man, RVD just—he just—he's just—he's wearing the same trunks and the same hair since he broke into the business. And uh, I, I don't know. Again, like I said, I do find him as a character kind of uninteresting.
2: Yeah, I was—I was—I was, I was an RVD supporter back, you know, in the ECW. I didn't watch too much ECW because. Uh, Either I didn't get it on, you know, whatever channel it was or when it was on, it'd be on, you know, too late at night. Um, I liked his stuff early on, and I liked his WWE stuff. And, he's you know, you know to, to his credit, I think the only reason why he hasn't changed is because he is over, because he does have a following. And, you know, um, uh, but you know, I do agree with you in the sense that, yeah, maybe you switch it up a little bit, you know. Um, you know, the, the airbrush tights, I mean, shit, you know, like, <laughs> they, they look like they look like something you'd buy at like a, like a carnival, like those airbrush T-shirts that they have. You can get like a caricature of your face on there, you know. Like, I'm not yeah, really. Yeah, you can go to like that.
3: the the uh, the T-shirt shop on the Jersey Shore, and they'll,
2: yeah, they'll hook you up with a
3: pair of like or, that. You
2: know, or, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, for 15 bucks, somebody can make you an airbrush singlet. You know, I wonder <laughs> I wonder how many t- I wonder how many T-shirt shops have gotten uh, you know uh, RVD's money to uh, to uh, to do his tights. Jesus Christ! But yeah, to his credit, I think you know because he's over, and you know people do. He does have a following. Ric Flair said it best: he's got a great following, but he's not a guy that will draw money.
3: Totally agree. It's it's a good point. Um, and and speaking of Ric Flair, um, I'd like to. We're gonna switch gears a bit and go to a uh, Facebook because we uh, we had some pin polls going on, on our Facebook page. Want to get to that? Uh, we'd like to thank all the fans who uh, go on Facebook and, and answer the questions and, uh, you know, give us your input. So, you know, if you haven't already, check us out on uh, Facebook.com slash The Kennedy Show. It's Facebook.com slash The Show. And, uh, you know, give us a call. Uh Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Let us know what you're thinking. I mean we're we're gonna talk about the Facebook. We'll talk about anything in the wonderful world of pro wrestling. So you got something on your mind, you got beef, you gotta get something off your chest, give us a call and we'll talk about it. But one of the things we did talk about on the Facebook page is um, who is the greatest heel of all time? And why? What do you think, Dave? Who's the greatest heel of all time?
2: Hands down, I thought about this, and I had two guys in mind that I thought about, but the, but at the end of the day, at the end of my, you know, after thinking back about it, you know, I'd have to say Ric Flair. Ric Flair, like I, I brought up the point earlier about the finish of Bobby Roode. Ric Flair made a living of going, you know, wrestling. Obviously, was different you know, back, you know, 20-something years ago. But Ric Flair made a living going to just about every territory and making your local guy look like a star. You know, if he went to Texas, Gary Von the Von Eric kids, each one of them, you know, all look, you know, they were stars in their own right, but they all were made even bigger after they got in the ring with Flair. And, you know, with title matches, Flair would go to a town and wrestle, you know, God knows who. He, if he worked in Michigan, he worked Bobo Brazil. And everybody in Detroit, in that area, would buy tickets in hopes that Bobo Brazil was going to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. You know? Flair went everywhere and made guys look like a million bucks. Um, the old adage, you know, he could have a match with a stack of bricks and it would, that would be entertaining, um, you know, uh, defines what the career Ric Flair had just from his entering work. But his heel work, I mean especially against a guy like Dusty Rhodes. You had two polar opposites back in the day in, in Jim Crockett Promotions. Dusty was the son of a plumber, a hardworking man, the common man, you know. Uh, most of most of this country, you know, America could relate to a guy like him. And he was, you know, and, and you wanted to, you know, as fans, you wanted to, you wanted to, you know, be like Dusty Rhodes in a way or hang out with him because he just seemed so personable. And then you had Ric Flair, who was the complete opposite, you know. He was the definition of, of uh, you know, corporate greed, um, you know, with the suits. And, you know, he flaunted, you know, how much money he had and, you know, how many women he'd been with and, you know, all the, all, all the hot nightclubs that he'd go to and stuff like that, you know, in his days with the horsemen. And Flair just, you know, people paid money to see their hometown hero Beat the shit out of Ric Flair, bottom line. And Ric Flair used to make a living. He had 16 world title reigns because he made a living of making people believe that, you know, on on certain occasions that he was going to lose the title. Um, and on, you know, 15 of those occasions he did, but that was over the course of, you know, 35 years he had 16 runs with the title. So um, Ric Flair, in my opinion, the greatest heel of all time, hands down. Down. Everybody that went and that ran against him, Sting. Sting the perfect example. Sting yeah. was a, a virtual I wouldn't say a nobody, but he was just starting to he was he was green. He was just starting to get in the wrestling business. He he probably had a few years on him. He had a run with uh, Bill Watts's promotion, um and uh, you know, some other promotions down south. And when the N W A brought him in and I, from what I've heard Flair kind of endorsed him because he liked his work. And Sting was just – the chicks loved him, you know. When he came out of that curtain, he was on fire. Everybody loved him. And when he got in the ring with Ric Flair, that first clash of champions, which, mind you, that match – or that show, I should say – drew a higher rating than the WrestleMania 4 pay-per-view. It went head-to-head with – I was on free television, cable television – went head-to-head with WrestleMania 4, and it was headlined by Flair and Sting. And Sting, that match that match made his career. If he didn't have a match like that against Ric Flair, I don't think we'd talk about Sting like we talk about. You know what I mean? Ric Flair made him a superstar. He owes a lot to Ric Flair for what Flair did for him. And people just love Sting. They ate it up. They ate it up with him and, and, and uh, Ric Flair. And like I said, Everybody you paid money to see people kick Ric Flair's ass. And to me, in my opinion, he drew money everywhere. And that's why I think he's the greatest of all time.
3: Yeah, all like we had some interesting uh responses. Um, you know, again, and Ric Flair, I mean when you have the moniker, the uh greatest player in the game, I mean, you know, where'd he go? I mean that 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 says it all right there. Uh, we had our friend Dank. Uh, respond and here's an interesting take he said I think Andy Kaufman gets that title and here's why any wrestler that's a heel now is part of the WWE but people know it's more for the show with Andy it seemed to spill outside the ring like on David Letterman or other shows that everyone believed it was real life that his injuries were real that any that anyone can do that he got he got an incredible heel um, interesting take. I don't know if I'd say greatest of all time. Um, it was quite a a run. Um, the thing that I, I find is very disappointing about Kaufman, it would be great if he was alive today. What Andy Kaufman... could you just think if Andy Kaufman got hold of the world of wrestling and had access to YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter and, and tried to do kind of what he was doing, but had access to social media, what he could have accomplished... Um a very interesting one of the most creative things um ever in the world of professional wrestling uh would be tough for me to say that he's the greatest of all time, but definitely one of the most creative um things it would as far as uh maybe best of all time you know I may say andy kaufman is is the best uh celebrity involvement in the history of wrestling um but I don't know if I'd give him the moniker best of all time. Uh, Justin Robluth uh, writes, "Oh, that's easy, Ric Flair. His living was made off of making babies all over the world look worthy of wearing the ten pounds of gold back when it mattered. It always led to drawing more money. It's foreign concept to us today because modern wrestling/slash sports entertainment has been revolved around babyface promotions/slash the chase versus the old school decades ideas that the heels drive the business in order to get babyfaces." over. Before the WWF exploded on the scene and took over, that business was done. Flair optimized that from all facets of the game. All good points from Justin. Um, you know, a lot of agreement, I guess, in that household. Cincinnati Sports Photography <laughs> writes, Flair, he was the heel that you loved to hate and the guy that could sell out arenas by himself. He would use his heel persona to literally make other wrestlers' careers. No one has come close to his prime. Kaufman and many like him are good for a season, but not enduring. Colin McTarran writes Bobby Heenan. Uh, that's an interesting take. Um, because I, I think as, as much of um, Hulk Hogan and his run in the 80s, um, Bobby Heenan did a lot to put Hulkamania over. Um, that You probably look at Bobby Heenan as, as Hogan's chief rival, uh, in the 80s, it seemed like every year, uh, whoever Bobby Heenan was managing, you know, he was going to have a run with Hogan. Uh, so Colin says, Bobby Heenan. And our blog man, Tony, this is a hard one. There's so many great heels, but I'm going to go with the Macho Man. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, number one heel, um, was a great heel, great performer. Uh, it's interesting. I like what uh, Cincinnati sportography brought up. Uh, short-term versus long-term. And I and I think that's really... Because I started thinking about this and, and analyzing because I spend way too much of my life thinking about professional wrestling. And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, short-term versus long-term. And it's interesting because I probably... I'm going to say I agree with you. I'll probably go with Ric Flair if I had to say greatest heel of all time. Because, I mean, right now he's a heel. And right now he can still get heat. Um, you know, so it's something to be said for a guy who can continue... Uh, to do that. Um, Piper came up for me as the best heel of all time. But when I started thinking about it, for the most part, you know, Piper's been a face for the better part of the past two decades. Great, great heel, uh, you know, back in the day. But, you know, once he turned face, he's primarily been a face. When he comes back, he's, he's a face. Um, so I, I was leaning towards Flair when I started thinking short-term versus long-term, two guys that that came to mind for me, number one was Hulk Hogan. Uh, His heel turn and the initial NWO run, uh, that was hot. Uh, That was hotter than hot. Um, You know, great, great run as a heel, uh, great character, great storyline. So I thought of him as a short-term great heel run. And another one I thought of was, was Bret Hart, in his uh, you know, USA versus Canada uh run with the Hart Foundation, I, I thought he was a tremendous heel uh during that run. So those are the two guys that popped up for me as having really great short term heel runs. Um, but as far as best of all time, we're looking long term, uh I Probably have to go with Ric Flair as well. Uh, any guys you think on oh, top of your head like had really good short-term heel runs that you'd put on the list?
2: Um, yeah, there's a few. Before I get into that, I just want to briefly say um, what makes a great heel is you know a lot of a lot of heels nowadays you know when they do something dastardly or something that's just you know like that 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 gets people's attention. There's always an excuse for it. You know, like, oh, well, you know, I attacked so-and-so because he did this or whatever. You know, they always, there's there's always an excuse for it. If you're a heel, and it's like, and, and it's it, you know, I take this right out of, you know, if you watch a movie, most bad guys, they don't have an excuse as to why they do it. They just do it because they can, because they're bad. You know what I mean? They're bad people. And that's what Ric Flair used to do. You know, Ric Flair would, you know, he'd poke somebody's eye out or he'd, you know, blow, blow a guy or whatever. Why did he do it? Because he can. Because he's a bad dude. There's no explanation behind it, you know? And that's what a, I think that's a, a lost art in, in, in the true essence of a heel. As far as guys go that, you know, uh, you know that, that come up to mind with short-term runs, Steve Austin, in my opinion, when he did the Stone Cold character early on, um, you know, if he didn't get so hot and, and Vince didn't decide, you know, or the crowd didn't decide to turn him, I think the argument could have been made years down the road that Steve Austin would have been the greatest heel of all time. I mean, stone cold Steve Austin, cold as ice. You know what I mean? Yeah. This guy was, you know, he was bad to the fucking bone. And, the, you know, and the the crowd loved him eventually. But I think he would have been one, you know, he he's he had a good short-term run. His stuff early with Bret Hart was good. And uh, Roddy Piper. Roddy Roddy Piper, you know, his stuff with Hogan, you know, early on, the, the build towards the first WrestleMania. I, I I I have always said that you know, people didn't pay money to see Hulk Hogan, and they didn't pay to see Roddy Piper. They paid to see Hulk Hogan beat the shit out of Roddy Piper. And Roddy Piper was just, he kicked Cindy Lauper. He kicked a girl. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, who does that? Who kicks a chick, you know? So those two come to mind as short-term heels.
3: You know, as we're we're talking about it, interesting. Joe Mikos uh, messaged in and said, uh, "Flair's the best heel of all time." So I think Flair wins. I think Flair is definitively he is the number one heel of all time. You've heard it here first. He's it. He gets the award. But Joe says Flair is the best heel of all time. But more recent times, and this is an interesting name I didn't think of. In more recent times, Muhammad Hassan is the best the guy was so good it cost him his job and he's right i was that he was hated um and and poor guy lost his job uh yeah he was very good at 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 tapping into uh uh the crowd and and really uh developing a, a deep deep rooted hatred um which essentially is what a good heel is supposed to do and um yeah, he, he was pretty hated. I mean, there was no one, you know, you look at like heels, you want to look at guys who are like universally hated, and I don't think there was anybody cheering uh, for Muhammad. He was a universally hated heel.
2: Yeah, um, well, I mean, you know, that, 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 that at that time when he debuted, that, you know, that was about three, four years fresh off of 9 11. And, uh, you know, with, with all due respect to, you know, people of uh, Middle Eastern descent, um, you know, there was uh, a lot of a lot of wrestling fans and just a lot of fans in general, you see a guy come out wearing a turban, you're not exactly the most loved person in the room. Uh so yeah, um you're right, that's a great point, you know, that Joe brought up. But he it cost him his job, um, that he was so that he was so good. I mean I, I there was there were talks of putting the belt on him years ago. Um, you know, before his run with Undertaker when uh, eventually he got let go. So, um but I, I if they didn't the, what happened was if if some of you don't know about Muhammad Hassan, but they ran an angle on a, on SmackDown. It was a Tuesday taping of course, they usually tape SmackDown on Tuesdays where they had guys in like hooded, you know, masks and they uh you know, with those razor wires or the whatever that they like some that some terrorists have been known to use, like choke the undertaker out. And it was, like, fresh, like, off of, like, the London bombings that took place, like, that week. And the show made air on Friday, and, like, everybody was up in arms about it. And, of course, WWE went into panic mode and said, all right, well, they edited out the, the that portion of the broadcast, and they killed off the character and eventually just let the guy go, uh, which was sad because I thought he could have had a great run, similar to what the Iron Sheik had in the 80s.
3: Yeah, it was just, it was one of those things where like the, the wound was, was too fresh and it, and it was, yeah, it was, it was, but again, like, it's funny because the Iron Sheik, uh, you know, was stabbed a number of times in, in real life. Um, so he elicited uh, a lot of real hatred. um But there was, there was hate in that direction beyond wrestling, but he, uh, yeah, he definitely tapped into a very visceral hatred, which again, you kind of want out of a good heel. Um, but it just, I guess, it, we weren't ready for that as a country, so the poor guy lost his job. So thank you all for responding, uh, best of all time. Uh, thank you all again, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. And, you know, we love having fan involvement continue continue. Um, you know, if you're shy, you don't like calling in, uh, you don't want to talk to us, go to Facebook. Uh, you know, tell us what you're thinking. Uh, you know, we'll talk about. Uh, what you want us to talk about but if you want to give us a call give us a call 347-838-9815 and what i'd like to get into right now last week uh one of our fans uh dank called in and uh asked us about the tag team division in the wwe and uh man dank was was quite upset he was he was a sad man he was sad at, at what the tag team division uh had become and uh we we're running short on time uh so we had to uh kind of get off the air and really get a chance to really talk about that. And uh, again, like I said, if you want to talk about anything, you want to talk about Raw, SmackDown, more of Impact, give us a call. Um, but, you know, we can sit here and, and just recap, rehash the shows and everything like so no many other shows do. But let's, let's branch out a little bit. Let's talk some tag wrestling. Uh, again, you're talking about TNA. Um, you know, their tag division is strong. The tag belts are over. And that is a good thing. However, not the case in the WWE. And so on our Facebook page, we, we asked you. to so congrats, you've been hired by the WWE. Your job? Fix the tag team division. What's your plan? Uh, our man Darren uh, just said, consistency for starters. Stop mismatching teams and making them up as you go. Excellent point. Dave Zelensky writes, give storylines for why certain teams are together. Put Zeke and Kofi together. Finisher would be a sick power-bomb top rope drop kick combo. Look at Dave, man. Dave is taking this job seriously. Not only is he putting guys together, but he's creating finishers. Why are these guys not employed by the WWE? Why are we not employed by the WWE? Different topics for a different day. Turn James <laughs> Heal and put him with McIntyre. Uh, find someone that would make sense to tag with Swagger, put Ray with Zinkara, and bring back managers, because most of the roster can't talk. Good points right there from Dave Selinsky on what to do for the tag team division. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on, on fixing uh, a once-hallowed, a once-prestigious division in WWE? How do you fix them?
2: Well I did write out right on the Facebook page about it in length, and uh I'll try and be brief with this. I apologize because I have a tendency to ramble on <laughs> but uh, it's okay. my idea, my idea for rebuilding the tag team division kind of coincides with the this new people power era that John Laurinaitis is uh presenting on television i if i were if if the pencil and the paper were in front of me and Vince said, "Go, fix the division." Here's, you know, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to write this out? I start off with Idis just coming out and, you know, his swagger that he has, you know, in himself, and say that tag team wrestling is dead. It's time to let it die, and I'm going to be the one to pull the plug on it. And it just magically just disappears. No more tag team champions. And then you get guys like, Old, like old tag team wrestlers, legends that they are employed by the company or whatever, have you have a group of them come out and talk about the importance of tag team wrestling and professional wrestling and how it's a lost art and it's you know it, it shouldn't go away. Guys like Arn Anderson, Road Warrior Animal, um, even Bret the Hitman Hart, and then you get those guys to you know you know file up for a petition with the WWE board and they have them go around the locker room and uh, go all, up to all the, like, the NXT guys and the guys who don't really you see on Raw regularly, like Kurt Hawkins and JTG and Zack Ryder and Zeke and all those guys, and they have them try and sign this petition and get somebody like a Bret Hart, you know, to talk about how, you know, a lot of you young guys are very complacent in the spots that you're in. And, you know, if you guys want to be, uh, you know, if you want to be talked about, like, we talked about the rock and John Cena at WrestleMania. I think it's time that, you know, you put your egos aside and you find somebody that complements your style real well and you form a team together and, you know, and then, you know, you go from there and then eventually, you know, maybe one of you will make it, you know, to the, you know, to the top of the mountain and you can bring up examples of how guys like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart have become, uh, you know, what to be great tag team wrestlers and moved into a, a great singles career. And then, as the story develops, you get these guys to sign petitions. You can even show vignettes backstage at guys, you know, like Ted DiBiase or wherever, just like on the search for a tag team partner. Or maybe have like a few matches with guys where they're trying partners out. And some some might work, some might not. Uh, But then eventually, once all these teams are formed, you get these legends like Bret Hart, you know, to kind of rally up the troops and make it known that tag team wrestling is not going to die. And, you could almost do like a Nexus type invasion in some big matches on Raw and SmackDown, have these tag teams just beat up on people and, you know, have them send a message to the board or the directors that, you know, we're not going anywhere until you rein, reinstate tag team wrestling in the championships and, you know, keep it, make it, you know, prevalent and known in this company. And it's not, you know, put on the back burner for, you know, the, the top singles feuds or whatever. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, the board the board will have to cave and uh, you know, they'll overthrow Johnny and say, you know, we're gonna crown brand new tag team champions at for just for argument's sake, SummerSlam. And you get like maybe like a month long tournament on television and you know, you, you have it culminate at the pay per view to crown new champions, but you leave the last two weeks of tv building up to the to that championship final match in the tournament on on the pay-per-view you leave that leave those two weeks open to like almost giving like personality profiles of these teams and their backgrounds and what tag team influence what tag teams influence them and their 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 thoughts about tag team wrestling and then of course build up the following week to the next match with with the teams and uh you know, uh, maybe like a final stare down or even a contract signing or just, you know, the, the the two teams, you know, talking about what the importance is of them being the new WWE tag team champions and ushering ushering in a new era of tag team wrestling and being the first champions of that new era. And that's how I would do it. Um, but, you know. I'm just some regular Tom Dick and Harry. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not the 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 prestigious corporate, you know, uh, brass over in uh, Stamford in uh, Titan Towers.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I like all the stuff you're saying. I mean, the interesting thing about tag wrestling is is the first thing the company has to do, first and foremost, they have to embrace it. That's the first thing, um, because even if they do all this stuff and they try and. Re- But don't embrace tag team wrestling. They're not going to give it a spot, and then it's not going to go anywhere. Um, I do like these random teamings over the years. They just put people together. Um, You know, yeah, it's it's tough to get behind a team uh, when there's no reason for two guys to to be together. Um, You know, I I, I like what you're saying. I I like the idea of, like, the the titles being vacant in some way, shape, or form. So whether it's, you know, Johnny coming out and saying he's going to get rid of it or... Just something happens where the tag champs, you know, they pick up or whatever, and they they declare the the, the belts to be vacated. Um, a, a tournament over weeks culminating at a Wrestle a WrestleMania, a SummerSlam, uh, could be something that the division uh, would need. And again, like you brought up a, a real good point. I mean, when you look back and you got guys like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and even uh, the British Bulldog, all guys that had very very successful singles careers coming out of the tag division. Uh, The tag division back in the day was a great place to test people out, see what they can do and bring people in, you know, as a tag team. So, so uh, fans get to know them as a a team. Um, And then you need to split them up down the road a piece uh, because a guy, you know, showing that he's got some talent. You know, split them up down the middle and, and down and and down the road a piece, and, and make one of the guys a, a single star. Um, the, the interesting thing I like what I saw uh, having Titus and Darren Young together on SmackDown um, was not really impressed with their in-ring prowess, but I like the fact that it's just it's a team, um, and maybe they're going to keep them as a team. I don't necessarily understand why you shit on the Usos because that that's an established tag team, and they don't have many of those. But I get it and maybe there'll be an actual rivalry between two teams uh moving forward which would be uh great. Um Primo and Epico are a solid tag team. Uh it's interesting again I you know back in the day I don't know if I'd make them championship worthy but now uh it works. Uh the one thing that I I don't know why they don't do it and I think this is a team that could give the t- the title prestige. Um Ziggler and Swagger and it makes sense. They're both managed uh two guys that are kind of lost right now on the roster, two guys that are very talented. Um, you got, you know, both very skilled physically. You got the smaller, quicker guy, and you got the bigger, stronger guy. To me, that tag team works well, great mouthpiece, um, and you put the two tag belts on them. If you create a tag division um, and everyone's going after Swagger, Uh, that could give uh, the division what it needs, a little bit of prestige on the belts. Um, When I actually started thinking about this and, you know, fixing the tag division, um, I mean, the one thing that I think they missed the boat on is I would have kept D.H. Smith and Tyson Kidd together. I think they really missed the boat with D.H. Smith. Um, You know, talented guy. uh, I thought they were a really good tag team. And when they split them, they, they had no direction where they were going when they split them. Um but the thing is it's it's there. It's fixable, which is why whether it's you know, the plan of like we're saying vacate the belts or Laurenitis coming out and saying, you know, I'm I'm getting rid of the tag championship or whatever, it's fixable because I start think I start thinking about guys on the roster and I was thinking, you know, Tyler Rex and Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, Ma- Mason Ryan, Michael McGillicuddy, Hurt Hawkins, you were saying JPG Alex Riley, Drew McIntyre, and who knows coming off of this push right now what they're going to do with Ryback. But you've got guys that are kind of lost, that don't really have a role. You can't come up with a couple of teams in that mix of guys to, to establish like a real tech team division. I mean, it's right there. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Which is why I started this whole thing off by saying the WWE needs to embrace it. Because once they decide definitively, and we heard rumors that Triple H wanted to uh, reestablish the tag team division, um, and I haven't seen it yet. So the the, the company has to embrace tag team wrestling because the guys are there. You can put together a legitimate tag team division right there. And you know what? You got enough guys to put together a better tag team division than TNA has right now, and TNA's tag division is is solid, but the WWE is a bigger company. They have more talent, and they put together a very solid tag team division. And I, that I would put Ziggler and Swagger um, at the top of that list, and putting them together as a as a tag team, and you know, and make them defend the belts. You know, don't have, you know, don't put the strap on on two guys like uh, Primo and Epico, and then have them you know lose every time that's a non-title match. You know, don't have like Big Show come down and beat the shit out of the, the two of them. I mean, it you just you keep continue shitting on on the tag belts and you know, you got to add some prestige to it. So, um I, I think quite effectively we we've outlined uh between the two of us uh some of the Facebook responses. Um if you're listening, Vince, Triple H, you're listening. Uh, you know, it's right there. We fixed it for you. So um, I'd love to see it because growing up as a wrestling fan, I mean, I loved watching good tag team wrestling. Um, it just it was a fun. It was it was different. It was a fun, uh, you know, kind of a different type of wrestling that I, I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching a, a really good tag team match, and uh, it, it's a shame right now it, it lost. And and like we were talking about earlier about TNA, you know, right now you know the WWE. Uh, it's kind of t- heavy You know, Raw is appointment television, but almost because you're waiting to see, uh, you know, what's going to happen. Like, you're waiting for Punk Jericho. You're waiting to see what's going to happen with uh, Cena and Brock. But there's a lot of filler shit that I could care less about. Where TNA gives you a solid, like, two hours, but they don't give you something that you're really, really, like, you really have to see. Um, so, you know, that's where, like, you know, the difference between two companies. I would love to see the WWE embrace... Uh, tag team wrestling a little more and give these guys, you know, I just uh listed off. These guys who were kind of lost on the roster. Um, you know, something to do. It's fine. Like, I'm watching SmackDown the other night and I'm watching, you know, the, this Ryback thing and, and I get it. They're, you know, it's so obvious that I don't know, someone was watching the best of, of Monday Nitro and was like, wait, this guy's muscular and
2: bald too.
3: We should make a new Goldberg. Because this whole Ryback thing is such a a, a Goldberg rip. Um, I get it. and It works. The guy's a specimen. I mean, the jobbers he's been wrestling, uh, you know, you and I are bigger than. Um, but as I'm watching the, the Ryback debacle on, on SmackDown, I watch uh, McIntyre and Heath Slater are back there watching it, and I'm like, wow, like there's a team right there. Those two could be together. They could be a tag team there know, but instead they decide to use them watching TV in the back. Um, So I guess they're trying to, I guess, now make that Ryback matches are are must-see TV and everyone in the back is huddling around to see these these matches. But, um, you know, I'm kind of curious where they're going to go with him now. What what do you think of Ryback now?
2: I think he's impressive. I think... um... You know, I mean it's yeah, it's Goldberg like, you know, a reminiscent of that. Um the it's funny you mentioned the you know, the guys that they're putting them in there with. I mean, we talked about this last week, you know. Superstars would face enhancement talent, and that's how you would get a guy over our weekly television because not every single week was there, you know, big superstar matches, you know, it was just, you know, showcasing a guy's talent, what he can do. I mean these guys Christ, this last one, oh my goodness, this poor prick. This poor bastard <laughs> I mean, first, first of all, like I understand, like you know, the kid wants to make it in wrestling. You know, hit the gym, okay? That's the first thing. And I'm no gym, act, I'm not a gym rat by any means. The only exercise I get is changing the channel and, and jumping to conclusions. So, <laughs> but this kid, man, oh my god! Like he, I swear to you, I, I this is this is my thought when I watch this, but. He had to have had a permission slip signed from his mother in order for him to be there that night, because he did not. For he really looked like he was 17. He he was he was pale, like not not only pale because he didn't get enough sun, but pale like he was sick. And he was like you know 90 pounds soaking wet with a brick in his back pocket. And then they put him in there with this monster. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, I mean, it's a formality. You know what's going to happen. But the Ryback stuff, I think with the tele- with the guys in the back watching on TV, I think they're really trying to put over how impressive he is, and it's going to come to a point where maybe Ryback will actually speak and be like, you're putting me in here against, you know, a bunch of softies. Well, how about all you guys that are watching me in the back on TV? Well, Why don't one of you try me on for size? I want some real competition. This is the WWE. And I think they're trying to, you know, really make him out to be a bigger deal than you know than he is right now. Um Maybe eventually it'll lead to something where, you know, some of the roster members are afraid of this guy. I'm not saying he's going to be like the Undertaker, you know, right off the bat, and the the mystique and the aura about, you know, the Undertaker that, you know, that made him so popular in the beginning. I don't think that's going to translate over into Ryback now, but... I'm, you know, let's, I mean, anything new is, is good for me. You know, they brought in, you know, Wrestlemania, after Wrestlemania, it's always been about new storylines and new characters, and this year they've really, you know, done that with, uh, you know, Damian Sandow and uh, Ryback and, uh, you know, um, the, the, this Dean Ambrose, who's having this Twitter war with Mick Foley. That he's going to be making a debut soon, and, you know, Lord Tenseye, so... um I'm all about it, and let's you know. I'm just waiting to see what happens. I I I don't want to see another month or two with this guy beating these poor little guys up, because then you know, then 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 I'm gonna be you know, add the new segment to my to my wrestling television watching where I go get a sandwich or you know have a cigarette.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I it's funny because I just it, it's I mean, look, you look at him, and yeah, granted, he's he's impressive to look at. Um, but when he's in the ring with a guy that I know I could easily put on my shoulders, um, it's not as impressive. You know, and you would think that there's got to be, look, I get it. There are people going to make it in, in the business all over the place. There's got to be bigger jobbers. I mean, you, you can't find like a, you know, six foot 220 jobber, you know, I mean, you know, you're finding these like emaciated skinny guys, that, like we said. I mean, I wouldn't be... I would not be afraid to get in the ring with that guy. And I think I'd have a legitimate shot of beating him. That should never be the case. So Hornswoggle
2: would have a legitimate shot of beating <laughs> some of those guys. <laughs> God damn, it's fucking embarrassing.
3: And speaking of Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle now is a uh, little brother uh, to Brodus Clay. And uh, I, I honestly, I mean, I thought... I thought SmackDown was pretty bad on Friday I was I was unimpressed with uh, the product on Friday. Now you know, granted, there's going to be ups and downs, um, but I didn't think SmackDown was the greatest of shows. Uh, I thought it was kind of a, a weak show. Um, you know, I, I just I don't like enough with Oksana and the saxophone. Enough, like it, it's it's done. I, I whatever I don't. Um, oh, you know, I, I get the whole thing. Lorennis is trying to make. Uh, Teddy Long looks stupid, but I I don't know. I, I just I, I I kind of found it boring. Um you know, the stuff in the beginning I actually thought was good with uh Daniel Bryan and AJ, but I I, I don't know, I think the show kinda of dragged from, from that point on. It would be neat if we kind of uh if AJ's character evolves into kind of a, a psycho female kind of kind of character. Um but uh other than that I just I I was unimpressed with SmackDown. What did you think of the show?
2: You're right. I you know what I really was I wasn't you know, I am to be honest with you, whenever they do a show overseas like that, you know, normally they do, you know, shows in the UK, you know, television shows, usually after WrestleMania and then in the fall, you know, right around Survivor Series time. And I'm normally not impressed with those shows. I understand that those fans don't get a whole lot of WWE, you know, uh, You know, touring those countries and stuff like that, and but I was just not impressed by any means. We even, you know, with, with more so with SmackDown, it just seemed like a, like 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 a house show with like a stage and lights. You know, it didn't really come off to me. The Daniel Bryan stuff was good. They got to stop with trying to tone out the yes chance. I'm sorry. I think I think what they got going on is great, and they're trying to really cut the legs out from under this this phenomenon of the yes, yes, yeah. I mean, they're making money off it with a fucking t-shirt. But you're gonna pipe out the chance? You can uh, you can clearly see ten thousand people in that arena with their hands up in the air, yelling yes, yes, whenever he's talking or something's going on. But you're gonna you're gonna pipe that out. But you're gonna make money off of a fucking t-shirt. I All don't right. get it. It's like it, it's just so ass backwards to me. It's just weird, you know? You can tell the boos on SmackDown are legitimate, you know, that like, that, that they're not legitimate, I should say, that they're all piped in. But, um, you know, I, I, I said this a few weeks ago. I said this a few weeks ago after WrestleMania. I said the yes chant has become the new what. And now if you log on to WWE.com this week, they do a comparison. Has the yes become the new what? So fucking thank you, Vince McMahon, for <laughs> listening to me, you fucking old bastard. Honestly, it's it, it, the show, the six-man tag, it was entertaining. It was an entertaining tag match. It was nothing to write home about. I wouldn't remember it next week. But it, it, the show, there was there was really no development heading towards the no. interview, other than the fact that Daniel Bryan brought up the importance of winning the title again and proving to Sheamus that he could beat him not once but twice. I thought that was, you know, it helped sell that match. And they're obviously not going to get 18 seconds. You know, at, at extreme rules, they're going to go two out of three falls. So, um, you know, I, I I can't really say anything that was you know great about SmackDown on Friday night. I I guess
4: we can't.
3: No, nah, I thought I thought the show dragged. Um, you know, again, like you said, I thought the the tag match was entertaining. Um, but you know, yeah, nothing to write home about. And you know, I even thought as much as I liked the King O'Brien show at the beginning, I thought even that dragged a bit. Um, it just seemed to I don't know, you're right. It would almost seem like a house show just like we gotta we gotta get these two hours out of the way and get out of here. Um, you know, it, it almost got you almost got the impression that um you know, Daniel Bryan was kinda of stalling for time. I thought that that went a little long. Um you know, it's an interesting storyline. Um and like I said, if they go forward and they actually you know, it'd be interesting if A J does this psycho female kind of thing. uh wow, like a, a deal with a storyline. Um, that would that could be cool uh but yeah there was there was nothing nothing on the show that really kind of grabbed me i was like yeah that was good and and like i said i'm really I, i'm i'm just tired of the oxon the thing it's just so stupid it
2: really is so dumb oh, all right i mean, terrible. And I'll, and how come all of a sudden she's now broken up with Teddy? Like she, like she adored that little guy for so long and then he loses his job. And then the fucking gold digging piece of crap decides to go hang out with some other dude. I mean, come on. Like there was no development there that like the two of them, like were breaking up. Now all of a sudden he's, you know, John Laurinaitis lapdog and she's decided to go jump on somebody else's crotch. Give me a break.
3: Yeah, they could have done more. I mean, it looks like they're trying to do something where like, you know, she's a gold girl. Um, but they didn't develop it at all. I mean, they could have done something where you know she showed up in Laurinaitis's office or you know something. It just it it, it yeah, it was really disjointed. Um, it's just dumb. You know she's you know and she's not even the the hottest diva. You know, and she's got this like stupid sax thing, and it, it's just it's just dumb. It, it really is stupid. Um, and
2: her English sucks. She can't. Her English is terrible. Yes. Like. Uh, it's 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 god awful. I think that's why they do the saxophone thing in the first place. She's she's horrible. I mean, she was on the NXT, that women's NXT a few years yes. ago. Oh my goodness! I they put it on. They put the show online because. They, they didn't get renewed. The television in the United States did not renew the contract for NXT. They still show it overseas on television over there, but in the States they didn't. And I remember I just, I, I, I said, I got to at least watch this once to see what kind of train wreck this is. And they let her go out there on that microphone. I was like, oh my God. I thought, I, I for sure thought to myself, those agents in the back, Vince McMahon is having a heart attack on it. Because you couldn't understand a word she said. You <laughs> could it was ridiculous. Nikolai Volkov singing the Russian national anthem in 1987. You can understand that more than you can understand what the fuck she's saying now.
4: <laughs>
2: See, I know what you just said. You can't understand what you...
4: <laughs> you
2: know? Exactly. You
4: can't oh, understand
3: what then you hear Hacksaw come out.
2: Hello,
0: USA.
2: So Dave, how are things going out there in Connecticut? How are things going? Well the weather is uh the weather's a little crappy. It's raining, but for the most part things things are going good. We got Monday Night Raw coming June eleventh, uh, to Hartford and that Raw doesn't normally come to Hartford anymore. Um but they're coming back June eleventh. I will be attending that evening, um, and it's a special three-hour Raw, and there's a lot of rumors of what the three-hour show could consist of. I've heard of a King of the Ring possibly going on on that show. I've heard of the draft possibly taking place, even though the draft really shouldn't even be happening, because you've got guys appearing on both shows. But, um, you know, that's what I look forward to in the state of Connecticut on June 11th.
3: Connecticut, man, (laughs) is just like Connecticut kicking ass. Connecticut is... You know, it might just be the place to be, and like I said, we we do have a surprise. I'm going to hold off, but building the suspense, that that Hartford show, that Hartford Monday Night Raw, uh, we're trying to get something together special for the Ken Reedy Show, so stay on. We'll keep you posted. But, you know, out there in Connecticut, uh, the CTWE is presenting Brickomania 4 on April 28th, in Bethany Connecticut and our man First Class uh, Vladimir Joseph – who's a guest blogger for the Ken Reedy Show, will be wrestling at that event. That's Brick O'Meara 4 on April 28th out there in Bethany, Connecticut. Check them out. They're on Facebook. And uh, Wrestle Jam, May 5th in Wallingford, Connecticut. Uh, Another big event going on out there in Connecticut. So a lot of wrestling events going on out there in that wonderful state of Connecticut. Uh, Indie wrestling thriving in the great state of Connecticut. Check it out. Um, you know, sorry, Brickomania, you know, I've been looking stuff up on that and I've heard that they're, that's one of the biggest uh, indie shows in uh, the New England area. So uh, uh, by all means, check that out. Uh, Vladimir Joseph, uh big up and comer in the indie scene and he'll be performing uh, that night for the CTWE. So check them out April 28th. And we're going to go to the call, the phones right now. It's on you know, the line. Caller. Are you there?
0: Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. Hey, Ken. Hey, David. Stank. What's going on, Dang? Not any much. Um, I was actually waiting for a good time to call in, and Dave brought up a good point. Of. Dave, um,
1: hey, you brought up well, a good point.
0: I know, right? Go thank figure. You, it doesn't happen all obvious, that oh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they still even bother having the draft? Like, originally, I understand why they had it, because they were trying to shake things up every year. New, you know, new heels, new good guys, new matches. But what's the point now when, like you said, they still still have the draft, but half the roster from SmackDown comes on Monday Night Raw and vice versa? Anyway, what's the point of still having it? do you think they should just get rid of it or maybe find a different way of having a draft? Because, like, for example, even, like, last year, it was kind of, like, ridiculous how they had the draft, and halfway into the show, John Cena got drafted to SmackDown, and then he was the last pick for Raw right at the end of the show. I mean, I understand that you're doing it for the fans, you're doing it for the ratings, but... Like, do you think you, they would? Do you personally think they should still have it? And if they do, do you think they should alter it in some way to make it fresher, to make it to make it relevant? Actually, what do you think? No, I
3: think I think it's it's run its course. Um, to me, at least, I, I I look at it as number one. Um, yeah, it, the stuff made sense when the the brands were kind of exclusive. Um, that work work, uh, you know, guys are jumping back and forth. I mean, it still could work, but. Now, even with only the one GM, it really doesn't make any sense because you got one guy who's controlling everything. Uh, he can – I mean, what's the point? Like, he's the guy who's supposed to be in charge of the draft and everything. I mean, he can obviously order people to go to either show. So the draft uh, really doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so If you want to do something with the draft, uh, number one, I would at least cable it for a year. Don't do it this year. With Laura and I in charge of both shows, just k the draft. You don't need it. have one GM. Maybe down the road a piece, they change it back to having two GMs. Uh, that would give the, the draft a little more meaning. So, And it would be a while. It would be the first draft in two years or however long they wanted to uh, get rid of it for. Uh, the other thing with, with the draft uh, that, that I think would kind of add a bit to it would be if they did something down the road where they had two GMs again, if they traded guys over the course of the year. So they made it seem like, you know, there was this kind of, even though guys jumped from show to show, there was at least a certain amount of brand exclusivity. So, you know, rather than like last year, like you bring up a great point with John Cena, and John Cena gets drafted and then drafted back. That's just, that was stupid. That was so dumb. But what if they did something where he was drafted to SmackDown He went to SmackDown for, say, a few months, and then, you know, the the GM of Raw actually traded for Cena. Or something happened where he got fired from SmackDown, and the GM from Raw, like, grabbed his contract. Or they did something like that, where there was was some movement. So it wasn't just this, like, hey, once a year we're doing a draft, and then we don't talk about it ever again until the next draft. So I think that could add something to it. Um, Uh, What do you think, Dave?
2: Um, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous now. I mean with, with, you know, like you said, one GM. Obviously, you know, he could tell, you know, who goes where and what. Um and you know, with both you know, with guys interacting from both shows. Um I think they should just keep it the way it is, to be quite honest with you. Um and, and not really do a draft. Um the the story that broke before WrestleMania, there was a rumor that um that that, that they wanted to do a draft but they're not sure and they raw, is basically the flagship show raw is the show that, you know, where they make their most money on it's live. And they, as far as you know television goes, and, um, you know, that's where the advertise. when, when people think WWE, when advertisers and marketing, and they want to get on board, you know, they, they, they think Monday night Raw Cause it's a live show and people are watching at that time. And it's, you know, supposedly, you know, must see television. And, um, you know, SmackDown's always been put on the back burner, so to speak. It's there, and it's where, you know, and it's in a taped environment, and it's, SmackDown's always been used to experiment guys to see if they can make it up to the big time, to Monday Night Raw. And uh, the, the, the SmackDown house shows, live events as of late, they've been, uh, they haven't really been drawing too well because they don't have a whole lot of star power. Now they have Randy Orton, they got Big Show, Sheamus. They just—it was just reported this week that they moved Alberto Del Rio and Ricardo Rodriguez over to SmackDown, but we'll see them. This we'll we'll probably see them on Raw on Monday, so it really doesn't make much of a difference. But the rumor, the story was was that Vince wanted to say take a guy like a Jericho or even a John Cena and move them over to SmackDown and help the live event ticket sales for, you know, the SmackDown events. And still, if Raw is still a super show, you'll have SmackDown talent on Raw, so it really won't make much of a difference other than it will help them out on the SmackDown side of things with drawing money to their house shows and their live events. Um, So I don't really see any reason for a draft. They're probably going to do it anyways just to piss us off. (laughs) um, But... You know, I, I there's no there's no rhyme or reason behind it anymore. But the way it's been over the past year or so, with the guys interacting on both shows, um, you know, I don't mind it. I like it, and uh, you know, just just stick with it right now. I mean, I don't see any reason to have a draft. <laughs>
0: Well, actually, I just had a thought as you guys were talking, because earlier you were talking about how to fix the tag team championship and the tag team, uh, what if they have a draft? And forget, like, the big name guys and the hippie hitters, but they take the up-and-coming ones, or the ones that don't get a lot of TV shows, and they actually have a draft that pairs up two wrestlers who, for the next year, are going to be a team, and they make, like, I don't know, maybe four, or five, maybe six teams and those six teams for the next year are going to compete with each other to get the title. Do you think that would boost the ratings for the tag team championship?
3: Oh, I mean, I, I, I kind of like at least doing something like that, like make the draft. Yeah, I mean, don't move the big guys and make, make it seem like a real draft. I mean, what is what is the draft? When you watch the football draft, it's college kids being brought up to the big show. You know, yeah. you don't watch a draft. There's not a draft where, you know, someone's moving from the Giants to the Cowboys or the Cowboys gonna take someone from the Niners. You know, that's not that's how it happens. It's the the kids are moving up to the big the big dogs. You know, they're moving up to the big show. So yeah. it is a good point where what if they did a draft like that um to boost the, the uh tag division? See, why are we not working for the WWE? Damn it. <laughs> Because I think this would be cool. Now, now it's it's coming together in my head. Because what <laughs> I would do, and we brought this up actually before, is if they 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 started bringing managers back. Yeah. If they brought managers back, what if they did like, and, and not enough of this like random horse shit with like, you know, uh, like who, oh, like the the pictures are flashing, the Titans are all this guys drafted, you oh, know, boo or yay, whatever the hell they do. Have like managers actually draft people have managers look at like a team and say i'm drafting that team those guys look good so it almost be like a it wouldn't really be the focal point of the show It'd kind of be a a secondary thing so have your your regular raw super show have your matches facilitate the the important storylines but as going on rather than having stupid backstage bullshit vignettes like Oksana with her goddamn saxophone. You break it, you, you have a Vicky Guerrero drafting a tag team. You bring another manager in that drafts a tag team. I like it. We just fixed the draft. We fixed the draft. We fixed the tag team division. God damn it. Why am I sitting in my house in a spare bedroom doing this? Why is this, like, why are we not working for the WWE? Oh, my God, now I'm just, I'm heated.
0: Oh, well, I can that I open. <laughs> you think that
3: would work, though? I think that would be cool for the draft.
2: I like it. That, that, that That's a pretty cool idea. That's probably about the first good thought you've had, Dan. Congratulations. <laughs> um, great. In, all, in all seriousness, so that's a great idea. You know what I mean? I think that's I think that's awesome. Just like that great idea I brought up in January, where they said that where where they were talking about how the the Royal Rumble, you know, it's the first time ever that you know every single superstar is eligible. They should make fans eligible. Have a contest. Yeah. have one of us in there. You can throw me over the top rope, and I'll break the Santino Morello record. I don't give a shit. As long as I get to walk down the aisle, I can have my own entrance, you know. You can, you can put me in there at number 29. I don't give a shit, you know.
0: What's entrance music going to be? Taps? I'm sorry, what was that? I said, what's your entrance music going to be? Taps? I <laughs> yeah, well,
2: I know, I know what yours is going to be. It's going to be It's Raining Men if you were to go run down the aisle, okay, pal? Let's <laughs> Like I'm
3: thinking now. Like, you know, if they did something where let's just say like Vicky Guerrero, they've kind of done this thing with with Abraham Washington, where he's kind of trying to get clients. Um, yeah. You know, create some. Uh, maybe move Teddy Long into a, a managerial role. Get uh, a couple other managers, and and those guys are are drafting teams. They're drafting young talent, bringing young talent, and. You know, a lot of the young talent, the problem is they can't talk. So you have these managers that are their mouthpiece that are are drafting teams. I I, I think I think it's cool. I, 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 just say,
0: I just get rid of the diva division and make them managers because all they do is bitch and moan and barely wrestle anyway, so might as well just kill two birds in one stone.
1: Yeah right. Let's get rid of the bitches.
2: We're making some headway now. We are making some headway.
3: God damn Thank you for the phone call.
0: No problem. You guys have a great show. I'll catch you guys next week.
3: Thanks. Talk Thank to
0: you
3: brother. soon. Bye. Later. I lost myself a little there. Got a little. Got a little heated. Got, got a little. It
2: seems to a heated, a heated show this week. I, 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 I got pretty heated a few minutes ago. Same with you. We got some, we got some tension on, on tonight's show.
3: Yeah, a little, a, little a little excited. maybe it's you know it's funny because maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's you know coming out of WrestleMania, and uh, you know we usually get that hangover. We usually get that lull. Like this is the point in time where we just you know they they build you and build you and build you to this fever pitch, and then you know it, it's it's kind of like like the wrestling over the the few months at the beginning of the year. It's it's like sex, you know, foreplay. and like the first months it's like it's foreplay, and then you know. You have WrestleMania when you, you, you climax. And then, you know, generally you just want a sandwich and go to sleep. Nap. <laughs>
0: we've
3: climaxed. And and it's like, the bitch wants more. It's like, I, I thought I was going to get a nap after this. I thought I was going to just, just get to relax, but no. No, they're just... The, and both companies, like TNA's giving us some good shit too. So maybe it's just got us all Amped up! It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Is it not a good time to be a wrestling fan? Are You feeling good about being a fan right now? I mean, as much oh, as fixed tag team division, um, it's the first time in a long time. I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to be talking about it and doing things. And
2: are you excited, Dave? Are You feeling good about wrestling? I am. I'm feeling very good as a wrestling fan. Like, you know, to bring up the, you know, the, the, the parallel with, you know, the, the, the sex and the climaxing, like I got fucked good for WrestleMania. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and now like, I feel like, you know, it's not as good as it was, as it was, you know, a, a, a few weeks ago, but you know, they all they, they seems like with the WWE that they go. I wouldn't say through a cycle, so to speak. But you know, WrestleMania season is always very good, and then at, you get that hangover. But then you know, like last year, last year it was like midsummer when the the Summer of Punk storyline began, and that became red hot. You know, And they always seem to do something in the summertime, and I think this show in June, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw, June eleventh in Hartford. Um, that I think something usually around those times in the three hour shows in the summertime something something major always happens. I mean, Vince McMahon blew up and died on a three hour show in, in 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 that in that time period about five years ago. They had you know then the following year they did the million dollar McMahon giveaway where he gave away a million dollars of his own money and the the they had like an accident like the million dollar sign like fell on top of Vince and you know, yeah, Vince is like it was killing to,
3: himself on three hour Raws.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, I know, exactly. Like, he must really hate his life if he wants to, you know, commit suicide on live television two years in a row. So,
3: or he just thinks okay. he's so important that, you know, I, I, if I'm i going to die. People are going to want to see it on a three-hour special edition.
2: I'll tell you right now, I, I, I guarantee you this. Vince McMahon, the day that he, I mean, in, in all seriousness, and the day that he eventually passes away, I would not be surprised if he had it written in his living will or if he didn't write a living will now, that he wants his – Funeral on pay-per-view I'm telling you right now they would do it They would do it They wanted, it, it, In the Vince McMahon DVD they wanted to put Hunter and Stephanie's wedding on pay-per-view And they both sort of were like fuck that We're not doing that <laughs> So I wouldn't be surprised Vince will probably like make sure it's like broadcast on pay-per-view And he'd still be controlling it from heaven Or hell whichever place he decides You know his fate is decided But, <laughs> but no, <laughs> no you're being goodbye. kind <laughs> Heaven I'm being kind. Yeah, I'm being kind because I don't know the man personally. I mean, you know, in the <laughs> media, you know, they don't really look at Vince McMahon in a positive light because he is, you know, the P.T. Barnum of sports entertainment. And, you know, people don't look at wrestling in a positive light. And, you know, everyone, everybody in their book, everyone who's written a book, any wrestler who's written a book has always had something negative to say about Vince McMahon. Everybody. And I'm not saying that all those stories aren't true, but, you know, got to give the devil his due. He's 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 done something right in the 65, 67 years he's been alive.
3: Yes. And he almost created the character Puke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's he's, he's,
2: he's, he's got a puke. He's, he's got a puke. He's got a puke. He's got a puke. He's got a puke. <laughs> We're getting silly.
3: You know what, Dave? we got we got a little less than 50 minutes left in the program. You know what that means it's time for? (laughs) The
2: The Ken Reedy Show Nod of Approval.
3: approval. Yeah! Ken Reedy Show Nod of Approval. It's that that moment of the show. It could be anything anything, where you just sit back, you're watching wrestling, and you just nod to yourself, because you know they got it right. They got it right at that moment. Um, you know, like, I should probably start putting that up on Facebook. You ever want to post on Facebook and say your nod of approval? Uh, by all means, post that up on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Uh, uh or, or tweet me at Show on Twitter. Let me know who gets your nod of approval, because uh, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, Dave, this week in wrestling, who gets the Dave Rosenbluth nod of approval?
2: I didn't put a whole lot of thought into this because I wasn't really too thrilled with you know the the, the, <laughs> the world of wrestling this week. But um, in my honest and most humble opinion, I'm going to go with the Brock Lesnar sit down promo that he had on Monday night. I thought it brought it was something different that was brought to the product of of wwe it wasn't it didn't look like it was wwe produced if you are if any of you any of the listeners out there are fans of uh you know ufc it had that ufc style production to it um that was uh you know that, that was displayed across the television screen um with the graphics and the video footage of him training in the dojo and the other thing too is you know A lot of people have read online, they put the credit there with the promo, but what about actually what he actually said in it? Not the whole, um, you know, John Cena is going to carry my bags and I'm going to make him piss his leg, he's going to be pissless, you know, and he cursed a few times in it. Not necessarily that stuff, but just the fact that they actually let him be who he is. I mean, if you watch, you know, Lesnar fights and promos leading up to those fights that he had had, you know, he was a cocky, arrogant bastard. Yeah. And I was afraid that, like, when they brought him in, that they were going to try and, you know, I wouldn't say change him up a little bit, but, like, kind of tone his act down just, just a you know, a, a tad. And not, you know, really let the audience see what he's all about. Because that's what really drew money for him and for the UFC was his ability to talk shit leading up to a fight. Not only just the fact that he was a, you know, he's got superhuman strength and he's probably one of the most gifted athletes on the face of the planet, but just his ability to talk. And if you just let him be, if he's not a character of himself, you know, it's it's him. That's him. That's That's how he feels. And his explanation behind coming back, I thought was a good, you know, that he wanted to, you know, that he's an ass kicker. He's not a sports entertainer. He's not a wrestler. He's an ass kicker. I thought that was cool. I I thought it was well
3: done. It
2: was, definitely, and, and, definitely
3: you know, a, a good choice for the nod of approval uh, this week. I, yeah, you're right. I thought it was it was definitely a well done uh, bit of footage. And uh, you know, I'm not a superstar. I mean, that was that was all cool. Um, but uh, my nod of approval, and I'm giving this nod of approval pretty much because um, I've criticized over the years, but they deserve it, and I'm going to give the nod of approval. To the Impact Zone, TNA's Impact Zone, because I've been critical for many many moons about getting out of the Impact Zone, and the, for a while, including this past Thursday night, the crowd was hot. The crowd was into it. Uh, they made it feel like it was something. They were they were booing. They were cheering. They were chanting. Um, it was good stuff. Uh, so I was I was impressed with the Impact Zone, especially coming off of a pay per view where Nashville was dead. So, my nod of approval goes to the TNA Impact Zones. There you have it. Brock Lesnar promo and the Impact Zone.
2: The The Ken Reedy Show Nod of Approval.
3: And as we're getting close to the end of the show, we're going to go out to the phone lines. Caller, are, are you there? Hey. hey. How's it going? How's it
1: going? Can you hear me?
3: I can hear you. Can, you, can, you, hear turn, uh, can you turn your you ear you down? I got an echo.
1: Yeah, I'm in my car. It's James. I was uh, from two weeks ago.
3: Cool. How, how you doing, black.
1: man? I'm good, man. I, I just got off work. I'm, I was trying to catch the, as much of the show as I could. And I heard the the tag team thing. I was like, that was a pretty dope idea. I gotta give that guy his credit. That was a pretty good idea
3: uh, which which so, idea next yeah. week? we threw on a lot of ideas. which idea are you talking about
1: the the tag draft manager draft that that whole segment that you guys had a few minutes ago. That was pretty dope. I gotta give you guys that one. That one was tough. Thank
3: you cool yeah that was mine
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll give you that. That was good what <laughs> were if you if you can can you give me like a quick run through like the first thirty
3: minutes so I can I want to try to chime in as much as I can you, you guys know I like to talk about this stuff. Well yeah we talked a lot about TNA to start off with uh, we hit the, we talked a lot about tag a uh, tag team division and then um we did hit the greatest heel of all time which we were all in agreement that it was it was Ric Flair. Oh um, uh, yeah. Almost. Callers and stuff and we we kind of dissected SmackDown. Uh, that is the gist of the last almost two hours.
1: Wow, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk to these these uh, these bosses of mine. Got me working crappy hours. so I can't hear the Ken Reedy show.
3: Yeah, it's no good.
1: <laughs> it's they, they, up, they, they, I'm
3: sure they'd understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come
3: early to, to catch the show. They
2: Hey man, if what you, do you think somebody to go this down week? there and shake up over there at, at your job, I can cert- I got no problem going down there and letting your boss know that you know six to eight PM is an important time frame for you to not be working. You know what hey, you know? man. I'll go down there. I'll, I'll I'll take care of it for <laughs> you. We'll we'll get it done. We'll we'll get it done. That's right.
1: So what gotta, are your thoughts?
3: Did, did you catch the shows this week?
1: I tried, like I said, the, the the first part I heard was the the manager draft thing, but um, you know you could you could build singles guys like that too, but not necessarily like with draft, like because I don't technically the draft is kind of like irrelevant now with the whole Raw Super Show because you got Big Show on Raw and SmackDown, you got Cody on Raw and SmackDown, you got Orton he used to be Raw and SmackDown now he's more SmackDown but. I don't know if the draft
3: would really even matter. Would it even make a difference? Yeah. It, um, I don't know. What do you think? guys?
2: Yeah, but uh, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's you know, it's, it's the landscape of the company. That's what it is. They're, they're always been always, they're single stars. Um, Tag Team Wrestling is not what it used to be, obviously. It's not even close. It's not even a flip on their radar anymore, and it's sad. But, you know, I threw some ideas out there. Ken, you threw some ideas out there. We all bring, you know, we've got some ideas together, stuff that are interesting, that could work, and, uh, you know, that has a place on the show. And yeah. I think, personally, for, in order for the WWE to be, like, in my opinion, they are the big show. They're the top dog in, in in the in the world of wrestling. But in order for them to really like get a broader audience as far as wrestling fans go, they got to have a little bit of something for everybody. They got yeah. the girls, you know, and they got and, and they got the you know so they, they got all the other different characters. But you know, tag team wrestling can find a place on there. There's a there's a spot. There was a spot before. Why can't there be one now?
1: It's not like you I'm, know why because. You know it really comes down to just the boys, like I don't want to sound like I'm an insider, but i you watch the um the legends of wrestling on on twenty four seven you watch i mean you hear any interviews from the older guys like austin he he says the the written promo has to be done away with, and I agree because these guys aren't coming up with their own ideas, you don't have guys. Case in point, I was watching the uh, the the new Edge DVD. You think you know me? I just plugged it. it's a good DVD. Go get that. But Edge, I just did today actually. But thank you. Yeah, <laughs> catch DVD. you. Great DVD. I remember there was a segment when Edge was talking about early on in the uh, in the Federation. He was like, Christian and I were like, we were fed up. We were firing f bombs like crazy. And there was an interview that they that they uh, they chipped, they, uh, they showed a clip of the Hardys. And Edge and Christian were sitting down, I think it was with Coachman, and they were they were just firing off F bombs and they was like, Yeah, they're 'cause they had the balls to say, We're here too. But you got guys who are just take or just accepting where they are. Like Kofi, Dolph, Cody. Cody's coming up. But for like the right now, they're just content. They're okay with where they are, which sucks. Because In a few years, think think five, six years from now. Punk will be on his way out. Cena, his time will be winding down. Orton, well, we don't know where Orton will be because he's still good, and he's like 30 now. But if the stars of tomorrow don't actually step up, WWE will be in a lot of trouble. And these guys, all they got to do is just open their mouths. Everyone in the locker room was saying, Hunk finally said, "What we were all thinking. Well, why didn't you say it? You would be." Yeah, impressed. it's like they're
3: expecting someone else to to do it for them. And we're running close to it. James, thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, hope things work out with uh, the job. So you can <laughs> give us a listen.
1: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm to
3: Yeah, he brings up a good point, and, and we can talk about this more and uh, further. But I, another thing I was thinking about that if you went to a wrestling, a non-wrestling fan on the street, and said, "Name ten wrestlers." And I would bet number one, most of them, the first name would be Hulk Hogan. Um, but I started thinking like the names that might be thrown out there, probably The Rock, probably Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, probably John Cena. Um, and there it is two minutes left in the show. First time I mentioned John Cena, that's impressive for a wrestling show. I digress. John Cena would be one of the guys that would be mentioned in that. Um, you know, to me, like, Punk would not be. He's not universal. People, non-wrestling fans wouldn't know him. John Cena is, like, the only guy over the past ten years that really has crossed over and a non-wrestling fan would know who you're talking about. And James brings up a good point. Like, where where does the future, you know, go from here? When this When this generation's gone, where do they go? I mean... You know, when we were kids, you know, non-wrestling fans would have known who Hogan was, would probably know who Macho Man was, probably heard of those guys, you know, Macho um, You know, years later, non-wrestling fans would know who The Rock was, who'd know who Stone Cold is, you know, would know those guys. He's right, man. No one's going to hand it to you. No one's handing it to you. If you're going to sit there and say, thank God, Punk did what I was thinking. Well, man, get off your ass, grab a mic and go out there and say it. No one's going to hand it to you. you got to grab it. Grab it by the balls. You've got dreams. Grab your dreams. Don't wait for them to come to you.
2: Couldn't agree with you more, my friend. Couldn't agree with you more. Maybe we could talk about this more next week, on next week's show. Hint, hint, wink,
3: wink, nudge, nudge. Tonight, we're under a minute left in the show. Um, a little bit heated. And look, we went basically the entire two hours... Without talking about John Cena, which shows there's a lot more in wrestling right now to talk about, um, and we'll get more into it because tomorrow night on a three-hour Raw is the contract signings. So contract signings never go well in the world of professional wrestling. So I'm sure we'll have ample to talk about about John Cena. But look at that, two hours, two hours of wrestling talk, no John Cena to talk about today. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it next week, Dave. only pleasure. Great show tonight. Uh, For Dave, uh, my name is Ken Reedy. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and thekenreedyshow.com. Have a good week, everyone. Take care.